Hey friends, and welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Wren, and I'm so glad you're here. Each Friday, I get to chat with a friend who has a story to tell, a dream that she's pursuing, or a passion to share with you. Today, my guest is Emily Thomas from the Mom Struggling Well podcast. I have been listening to her podcast and following her on Instagram and Insta stories for a while now, and you will love her. You're going to love her story. You're going to love how God worked everything out for her good and how he can do that in your life too. We talk about a lot in this episode. We kind of jump in talking about how she started the podcast and the moment when she realized that God was calling her to do it. And then we talk about how she got out of an abusive relationship years ago in her first marriage and how God used people in her life to speak truth into her during that time. We also chat about how she met her second husband and God led them to go to China uh, as missionaries for a few years, how she walked through infertility and, and the struggles through that in a foreign country, how she walked through infidelity in a short period of time in her second marriage, and then the joy when they brought their toddlers home and going through the adoption process. I told you we talk about a whole lot. What I love about Emily is she's super real. There's so much encouragement in her and she's just plain funny and I love that about her. So here's my conversation with Emily. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ren. Yay. I'm excited. Um, I finally got the guts to ask you to be on the podcast. So I'm super excited that you are with you are in your closet. I am in my closet. I feel like we're bonding it. in the closets over the clothes. Absolutely. So, um, so tell us if somebody does not know who you are, tell people if they don't know you a little bit about yourself and your family and what you do. Okay. Um, so my name is Emily. I live in Dallas and I have a husband and two kids. They're both adopted. Um, not related to one another, but look just alike. It's the strange thing. Strange. Even have a dimple in the same place on the same <gasps> side of their face, same coloring. They're oh not even goodness. the same exactly, you know, ethnicity. It's a crazy oh thing. So, um anyway, and I yeah, I'm a nurse. Um and then but now I'm a podcaster. So I guess I'm I'm still a nurse technically, but I am working as a podcaster. Yes. Okay, and how long have you been podcasting? A couple years, a little bit more than two, I think. Okay. And so tell me, how did that start for you? Like, how did you begin this podcast? Because you had kids and at that time you were homeschooling and you were still working as a nurse part-time, right? This is creepy. I'm sorry that I know too much about you. Like, I feel like, no. like I didn't even have to research this. Like, I knew all this. <laughs> so funny. Instagram. Well, I mean, I, I guess if I put it out there, people are supposed to know about it. Yeah, right? so I guess. I guess. Yeah. You're doing it right. Okay. Um, I think that I I had like a little blog just to kind of give me something to do that was for me. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into an Etsy shop where I did a little bit of um so you didn't know that, right? I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I did that for about a year and a half and that was fine. It just wasn't in my wheelhouse. I really enjoyed I made like scripture stuff or like funny, snarky comments about coffee and, you know, whatever. And that was good. But as the business grew, I had less time with my family. And and I realized I felt convicted that I was kind of like 100% doing that to ignore my family, my kids, instead of <laughs> like provide for them and just have it be a fun outlet. It transitioned into like an all-consuming thing that gotcha. wasn't good for my family. Okay. And so... 
I felt convicted um, as I was actually speaking at a conference on transitioning your blog into a small business. I felt like God said, stop um, your Etsy shop. And I'm like, that's awkward (laughs) (laughs) to go talk about it. Um, But then at that same conference, I'm telling you, this is so strange. And I don't feel like he like tells me very specific things, like almost audibly, you know, obviously it wasn't audible, but um, he told me you're, you know, I need you to start a podcast. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I love podcasts, but I didn't ever think I was going to do one. Um, and right. then, and then he's like, why don't you call it mom struggling? Well, and I was like, because I don't like being a mom, being a mom was just way harder than I thought. And so why <laughs> on the actual earth would I right. do make that my topic, you know? And so I was wow. like, what if we just do women struggle, struggling well, or like, yeah people struggling well or struggling well <laughs> show or like can't we just and um I just felt very confident that he was like you need to lean into this motherhood thing mm. um it didn't make sense though because I don't have any background in radio or sound technologies I don't even know what you call the topic because I had no background <laughs> in it and so right. um that's kind of how that happened and I it didn't make sense but I went ahead and did it anyway and that's where we are so what was the what was the hardest part about motherhood to you? Well, um, I don't know if you're familiar with time. the Enneagram, but I, I yes. love the Enneagram. And I'm a one. And so I'm really into like black and white, doing well, um, how things end up, you know. And so the results of parenting were not, um, things were not going well. As far, I mean, they were going regular, but for me, I'm like that. I cannot excel in this when no matter I make you this great dinner and I've taken into consideration that you don't like broccoli and I've done all the things and you're still mad. Like (laughs) I can't, I can't quit this job. Um, So I felt really trapped and I felt it's just really jacked with my brain. Mm. And then there's so many women who love it, and so I feel. And I, I tried, we tried to get pregnant for six years. And so that's why our kids are adopted. And so I had six years to think this is going to be fantastic. Mm. And so then when it wasn't, it was like a really discouraging. I hadn't ever really been about, around kids. And so mm-hmm. my expectations were wildly yeah. unrealistic. Yeah. Um, and I tend to be really inflexible and structured and, you know, and so it just, it was kind of a really bad combination. Well, and when you have kids, which are total opposite of structured and in, and inflexible, I mean, that's, that's totally opposite of what kids are. So it's like, it'll mess with you for sure. Yeah. And I think for me, I just decided I'll feed you. I will, you know, take care of your basic needs, but I don't understand how to do this well. And so I kind of, kind of quit or at least kind of Mm. tuned out. Mm. And so that was what God was calling me to just ask other women and be a part of the conversation since I'm not afraid to say this is the really the hardest thing ever. But, but I'm very careful to not be bitter or negative because it's not their fault that this Mm -hmm. is pushing on my sin struggles and just like revealing how much I need to depend on God. It's not them. Right. My kids aren't the worst. You know, if anybody's the worst, I'm the worst for, you know, but, but I'm not, I'm just a person going, man, you people are crazy. And they're looking at me going, you are nuts as well. (laughs) We are all crazy. (laughs) Well, how old were they when you started the podcast? So if they're, are they like six and four? Wait, seven and five? No, 10, well, almost 10 next month and six. 
Well, I just messed that. Really? Wow. Ten and six. Okay. So when were they, when you started podcasting, what, three years ago, they were seven and four-ish? Yes. Yes. Right? I don't do math. Me either, but it sounds about right. Okay. So you started that and you were saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And God always calls us, it seems like, not always, but sometimes he calls us to do the things that we're in the midst of struggling with. Mom's struggling well. And you're like, really? Wow. So you go back to that and he's like, start a podcast. So what do you do? How do you start it? Well, I talked to my husband who is well acquainted with all of my startings of things. <laughs> and he's so good about being like, okay, you know, yeah. let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. He said, you're going to need to quit your Etsy shop. I'm like, I know I already, yeah. I, already I was already told that. So I'm going to quit that. <laughs> um, and he, so he kind of told me like, you need, you need to have several already done because uh-huh. he's protecting the family time. Right. And he had seen that me blogging was incredibly it was, I was like perfection, like perfectionistic about that as well. And mm-hmm. so I was like really stressed out about this thing I made up is so dumb. Um, but it was. <laughs> and so then I was the same way about the Etsy shop. And so he's like, I, you know, I don't mind if you do another thing, but let's maybe do it in a healthy way. How about that plan? <laughs> so we worked on what that would look like. Okay. So you had like a bunch in the pot, so to say, mm-hmm. before you even produced. That's so good. I didn't do that. I think that is awesome. Because you have to, because you were going to do it every week. I mean, it was a podcast you started every week. And I have only taken one week off. I am super impressed by that. Because I know myself, and if I stop, I'll never start again. (laughs) Right, right. I've got some definite mental health issues. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny that you mentioned the Enneagram, because my husband is a one. And and I'm a nine, which is a peacemaker. And And my husband's a nine. Oh, see. There you go. So I'm just, I'm speaking to Emily, but it's actually, I'm speaking to Jim. And it's funny how when we finally, I took the test and then I knew what I was. And then I was like, I know what you are. But I said, take the test. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. And he was a one. And I was like, okay. And so I Googled. It was so eye-opening. I don't know if it was for you, but so eye-opening of how we relate to each other. And just, I don't know. I just could understand where the ones are coming from and where I'm coming from. I loved it. Yes. Our inner critic never shuts up. And so we are like really trying. We're under the gun all the time. Yeah. Even though we're not. Yeah. But in your mind, you're under the gun all the time. So it's funny how personalities are different, but we've got to do what God calls us to do. God called you to do the Mom Struggling Well podcast. And I love it. And I love how real you are. And you're just like, I'm struggling like you are. Let's talk about it. Yeah. What has been the most surprising thing that you have found out about podcasting maybe about yourself well I think that so many people I mean I did to, I spoke at a conference on podcasting and so I did some research and that there's a thousand new podcasts a week oh wow why is that because people think I can talk on the phone mm. there is that is the fun part and that is like mm-hmm. a millionth of, of percent what it is. of the actual what it is and so what I'm right. surprised about is how thinking much work goes into it if you want to put out an excellent product which mm. I'm obsessive about perfection and so I do you know well, what I, or I want to. I'm not saying I do I'm but saying you, I want to, you want you know, to you strive for that so that's yeah. what's going to be yeah yeah there's yeah. a lot of work into it okay so let's go back into when you were you were a young adult and you were were you in Texas at that time like when you were like in college out of college I went to college in Southern California Okay, that's right, that's right. Okay, so you were in California, 
And is this when you met your first husband? Yeah, I met my first husband when I lived in Southern California. I was about to graduate from college. Okay. And then y'all got married rather quickly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ridiculously quickly. Okay. Yes. Like how long? I, don't, I can't remember. Well, okay. So we were engaged the day after we met. Okay. So yeah, that was a little fast. <laughs> uh, but then we, then I just a couple, maybe two months later, I don't remember. We actually got married because um, I had to finish college and, but he lived in another country. And so um, I didn't uh, see him after we got engaged. It was all like long distance. Um, and then we went ahead and got married because that just seemed like a really wise. Yeah. And you were what? 21? Yeah, right out of college. So you're 20, yeah, 21. Uh -huh. Yeah. And everything at 21 seems like the right thing. I mean, I'm remembering, oh, you know. So magical. <laughs> okay, so you get married after two months of knowing him. You He moves you to where he's from, his country, or wherever he is. Um, and then how does the marriage, um, how's it going? Fine in the beginning, um, but I think that it was really isolated and the place where we were going to church was incredibly legalistic. And, and so when things got really um, abusive and I talked to the pastor, he told me he used to do the same thing to his wife and it's fine. Oh, wow. But, but it really wasn't fine. Cause I was really afraid of my husband, um, mm. you know? And so how it started going was just like, I couldn't open my mail without him sitting by me. I couldn't talk on the phone without him sitting next to me. Um, he read all my emails, like everything about my life and about my body and everything about everything was his to do with what he pleased. And I didn't, I didn't know that that wasn't fine because mm -hmm. I didn't know what a marriage that was healthy um, looked like. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I knew I really wanted to please the Lord and I had gotten myself into this. I mean, it, it was on our wedding night that I was like, this was a bad idea. Like, um, I had that really sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, what on earth have I done? So, it mm. wasn't long before I was just praying that God would kill one of us off. Mm, <laughs> like, wow. Oh, I like, I didn't re and I didn't care if it was me or him. Like, I was, wow. I was open <laughs> to all oh, the things. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Couldn't tell death to us part if as a twenty one year old. Wow, you know what I'm saying. And and you ha would not have known any any of this because y'all had not been in the same city while you were dating or engaged. Yeah. So, I knew I mean, everything he told me, and I believed that it was true. Right. And because if I tell somebody something, it's true. Mm. Like to me, truth is like one of the highest things that I could look for in a relationship, and so. I just filled in all the things with truth. Yeah. I mean, you but never would have. He always had the Bible open. I mean, mainly to the submission ones and the marriage ones and all that. But he mm -hmm. always had the Bible open. So I was assuming, like, he's a man of God. And you know what I mean? So right. I just took a lot of what he said at face value. Sure. Unfortunately. Well, and as a 21-year-old, I don't. I don't blame you at all. You know, I mean, 21 year olds, you're going to do that. Did your parents or any friends nearby say anything before, you know, when this was, well, I mean, like when you were engaged in the two months when you were um, yeah. about to get married? Well, I mean, here's the deal. He was super charming. Mm -hmm. And, and so everybody largely was like, this is awesome. Like mm -hmm. it even spoke at like a, a women's night about our story. 
Oh, wow. And it was like, you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of celebrated. And mm. and there were people who were like, uh, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It was probably three or four. My mom was one of them. She I wasn't, I didn't know about this till later, but she's like, I will come and I will kill you. If you, you know, basically <laughs> throughout his life. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. Well, okay, so you're in this and you're at this time you're in a different I mean, you're in a different country. Like you're in with him. Yeah. And so wedding night you're like, this is not this is not good. Yeah. So how um how did you get that? What what was sustaining you? Or were you a believer at that time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was sustaining you through this when you are realizing this is I made a mistake. What did? Well, I think that I just decided like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. And I Mm -hmm. went along with it. But I think in abusive situations, they, they get inside your brain and they change what's reality and they change the rules. Like I was getting in trouble for things that didn't happen in real life. And so I couldn't combat that. Like I couldn't be perfect enough to have him not yell at me Mm -hmm. all night because I, I didn't know things that didn't actually happen in real life. And so oh, yeah. I just really thought it was me. I thought I was mm-hmm. going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because if you're isolated, you know, mm-hmm. and he was portioning my food and it, I mean, the whole oh, thing wow. got so kooky, but mm-hmm. I somehow thought it was all my fault. Yeah. Well, he made you think it was your fault. Probably, yeah. you know, a lot and of I it. I think when, when somebody says something with a lot of authority, you just kind of go, Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Especially when I'm assuming I'm assuming good things from him because I want good things for him. I thought he wanted good things for me. And, you know, it's just, mm. it all gets so pretzled up. So we wonder, like, we ask women, like, why the heck do you stay? Well, I know why. I mean, you can't even think straight. Mm. So when did you realize, or when did you say, okay, I got to get out. I have got to escape from him. So there was a... I'm not into, I mean, the whole thing, it's kind of like you block it out. Oh, so sure. Blurry, but um, at some point, some friends, I guess I, I wrote an email or he was also writing emails as me while I was at work. So I'm not oh, sure. But at what wow. point, some email sounded a little fishy to one of my friends from college. And um, I think God using her was a big deal because I had a really high respect for her walk with the Lord. Mm. She grew up as a missionary and all this stuff. And so... Having been a missionary, I know that doesn't really mean anything, but it meant something to me at the time. And so um, she, this was like before cell phones or like cell phones were just on the scene. Uh And I wasn't allowed to have one, obviously. Mm -hmm. He had one, I wasn't allowed to have one. Um, And so I was at work um, at Starbucks and I was in the back because I was a shift supervisor and I was um, counting the money in the back. And that was the only phone that I ever had access to that wasn't. Mm. Like being monitored. Right. And I didn't need to call anybody. But at that, I mean, it was just God because you're never in the back. You don't just hang out in the office mm. when you're working mm-hmm. at a very busy Starbucks. Right. And so I was back there counting money. We had a, I don't know, 13 hour time difference. I don't even know, eight. I don't even know how the time difference. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I was sitting back there and my friend, that very friend, called me and said, I don't know what's going on, but I need you to know that. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Mm. And I was like, had I heard that from anybody else, I would have been like, oh, that's cute. But I'm not doing that. That's not the right thing to do. Right. 
but her and I knew I felt like her and God were pretty tight. Yeah. And <laughs> and I felt like I could possibly take that as truth. Right, um, right. And so then I, I talked to a friend who was there with me and was like, hey, like, I'm afraid of my husband. And she's like, well, I'm afraid of your husband, too. <laughs> so it was good to hear that um, yeah. it wasn't just me. But right. then nobody would help me get out because. Mm. They were scared, probably. They were scared, but also they felt, yeah, they were scared, but they also were leaning on the biblical uh, gotcha. reason that you shouldn't get divorced or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just. I just left um, one morning when I was supposed to, I was only allowed to leave the house to go to work. And so mm. I just uh, got dressed up in my outfit and mm. pieced out of there and prayed for a train to take me to a plane. Um, and it had to happen quick. So he couldn't find me because right. I tried to do it the night before and it didn't work because he found me and mm. convinced me that it was going to be fine and he was going to be different. And so, but God provided all those things at just the right moment and I got home. Wow. So you had, how did you have, did you, how did you have money for that? I mean, did you have, I mean, I'm thinking like literal, like, did you have that yeah. from, cause you worked and you were able to get a paycheck or did you have I to get left to him? him all the money that I had? Because I felt like if you're going to leave somebody in the lurch who is choosing not to work, it's not that he couldn't, but he mm -hmm. was choosing not to work and I, I didn't want him to have nothing. So mm -hmm. I didn't take any of that money. Um, it's not like we had a lot. I mean, we were <laughs> such poor young people, but, um, I had a credit card and a passport and he mm. tried to destroy them so that I couldn't leave. Well, um, but I managed to wrestle them back from him. Cause perfect. if he hurt me while I was jumping on him to get them back, I was like, that that's, that's fine. I, to just get you know, out. It's just a tussle that I started <laughs> because I mm. need those things. Mm. And so when I got him back from him, I just kept them on my body at all times. That's um, good. and then, and then just. Yeah, he tried to, I mean, he bent the card in half and tried to rip my passport, but it it didn't. Um, mm. I mean, I can do anything, so I think he just made it to where it didn't rip, because I know he tried. Mm, wow. Oh. So you got on an airplane, Yeah. flew back home, and then what? Well, I asked, um, the only way that I would let myself go is under the pretense that I would ask him to come back with me mm -hmm. and we could get counseling and we could do all these things in a place that I felt safe. Gotcha. It took me a long time to acknowledge that I wasn't feeling safe because mm. I was just telling myself, I'm just being dramatic. How did you get to that so, point? Was it through talking with friends and. Yeah. And then having a friend be like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't feel I'm uncomfortable around him as well. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, she said she's scared of him. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, talking, talking, and then just seeing stuff, like, he destroyed my guitar. He mm. smashed it into, like, tiny little pieces. Like, not just, like, broke the neck off or whatever, but, like, it looked like toothpicks. And wow. he did that because the church asked me to lead worship and not him. And so mm. he didn't like that. And so he destroyed the guitar and then left it all in pieces all around the house. It wasn't just, like, a one. It was, like, everywhere. And then when I got home, he acted like everything was fine. And, and the guitar was all over the house. So things like that where I'm like, hmm. this isn't, this mm. is bigger than me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But thank goodness you, you thought that, you know? I mean, you could have just kept thinking there wasn't a problem. So thank goodness for your friends and thank goodness for you for, you know, kind of realizing this is not normal. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Lord. It only, I mean, that whole thing escalated in four, four months. Okay, so this is like four months after y'all said I do. Yeah. Wow, wow. So you asked him to come back with you in a safe spot. Did he come? No, yes? Oh, no, he chose, he would call me on the phone and just tell me how many women he slept with and how much better they were than me. Oh, I'm like, well. oh, okay, uh, I think we're on different marriage tracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then at that point, you said, okay, there's not going to be any re- reconciliation. He's not coming here. And you filed for divorce. I had to. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I filed for divorce. It was, even with all that, I mean, I think looking outside, looking in, you can be like, what a relief. But my heart was, I mean, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of... 21-year-old 20, Christian women divorce groups. Mm. And and I was still feeling so much of the shame of mm. having gotten a divorce. Like, never mind mm. the fact that I, in my gut, I knew I would not be alive long if mm. I stayed. Wow. And that's not something that I frequently think. Um, mm. But then you just tell yourself, you're making that up. Like, stop it. But, mm. but I knew this would be the end of me um, if I stayed. And so, um, but I, I did, I cried every day for a month, every mm-hmm. single day I was just broken. I mean a year, not a month. Um, it was wow. a heartbreak. And C.S. Lewis says that it's like a, a um, amputation, a marriage loss. Mm-hmm. And it really is like I lost a part of myself and it wasn't anything I even did. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. I mean, I'm not perfect, you know. And mm-hmm. so later, a couple of years down the road, after I had married my um, second husband, I anonymously wrote to my first husband and took responsibility for my part. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm a jerk sometimes and I round my mouth and, you know, like I, I wasn't. I just did that because I would, again, I'm a one. It felt like the right thing to do mm-hmm. and it felt safe and I got counsel. And so I ended up, I mean, I feel like I ended it as well as it could right. have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but very honestly, he, I don't have any contact with him. And if you were to find me, it would not go well for me. So Right. And that's what I, I wonder, has he ever tried to come find you or is that? To my knowledge, he hasn't, but as... My reach grows. It's a, it's just an interesting, mm. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I just am trusting the Lord and I, I hear lots of um, feedback that women are getting their kids and themselves safe. And I have to trust that that is worth it and that God will mm. keep me safe. Definitely. Definitely. How long has that been? Um, gosh, like almost 20 years. Mm. It's funny though. It doesn't. It doesn't feel less like, oh, this is not a good idea to talk about. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing all that. I know that's got to be really hard and, and, you know, trying to re-talk about everything. That's not a walk in the park. Yeah, well, I, God, is, God has done a lot of things through it, and I feel, I don't know, it doesn't feel... Uh, it doesn't feel like the end of the world. You know what I mean? It yeah, yeah. Well, and like you said. It like a different life, honestly. Oh, yeah. And if you're helping other people, that they're getting yeah. safe through this, through your message. And like you you needed a friend to say, hey, I don't think you're safe. I don't feel safe either. So, and so, yeah. that's good. Sure. So, you um, are back in California. Is that where you met your husband now? Uh, no, we met in Arizona. Okay, uh-huh. you've been all over, girl. 
Well, I'm from Arizona. Okay, okay. So you come back. Did you go back to California after you yeah. moved back home? I did. Okay. And then did. you moved to Arizona, met your husband. Now, what's his name? I don't think I know. His name's Eric. Eric. I don't think I knew that. Uh-huh. So, okay, you met Eric, and did y'all start trying to have kids right away? You talked about the six year of infertility. Did you? You know, it's funny. I made him wait. I made him date me for a year um, afterwards, <laughs> understandably. Oh, so yeah, like, absolutely. And he was older. He's he's 13 years older than me. So we okay. were, he was at the time 38. And so he was gotcha. like, he had never been married and he had never wanted to be married. And we mm. met and he's like, let's get married. I'm like, listen to her. You will wait <laughs> the duration if you want to marry That's me. right. Uh, and so he did. He waited a year. And so then when we got married and I really wanted to start trying to have kids, he was like, we're waiting a year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, we waited a year. Um, and in that time prepared to move overseas to um, serve in China. And so we, in when we got to China, it had been a year. So we started trying. And then in rural China was where we discovered, huh, this isn't happening. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's how, that's how it ended up being six years. Cause we, cause you're over and, there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And y'all, what were y'all doing there? What kind of mission we were work? Teaching, we were teaching English. Okay. Okay. All right. So you have a background in English and he does too in teaching. No, um, the organization just wanted um, people with bachelor's degrees and English as their First native okay. language. And so they taught us how to teach English as a foreign language, you know, living live our lives and, yeah. you know, talking about it as we had opportunity. Okay. When did y'all decide to come back um, to the U.S.? We were there for three years, and we originally signed up to go for two years. So we ended up staying longer than we um, – and I, it wasn't my jam. I didn't love it, but my husband really did. And so – and I think when you're trying to – I don't know. When you're trying to get pregnant and you can't, I think some some women handle it better than others, and I was not handling it that well. Um, I don't know. I just remember – and I didn't really love – I love Chinese people. I love Chinese food. Mm. I didn't, I just really didn't love our situation. I don't know. I think I could have handled it a hundred thousand times better looking back. But anyway, so we, we went, we stayed longer than we meant to stay. And God, it's funny how often the stories of what God did in me um, in China come up for how much I'm like, that was the worst. But I... Mm. He did so much that um, I'm really thankful for that time. Even though when I look back, I'm like, oh, I'm glad that's over. Uh-huh. So <laughs> when you come back, do you go back into nursing? Like when you come back to the U.S., is, is that what you That's when I started? became a nurse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Before that, I was a teacher. And then I, because we couldn't get pregnant, I decided to like, I don't know. I thought nursing sounded really fun, but I had already gone down the teaching track. Mm-hmm. So then when I ended up with a bunch of extra years without kids, I decided to become a nurse. So um, I waited for two years to get into the nursing program. And our, our foster daughter came to live with us the day I got accepted into the nursing program that I got into because they couldn't have kids. I'm like, huh. Okay. okay. And then right as I was getting ready to take my national board exams to become a nurse Mm. with four hours notice, we got my son. So all of a sudden I have a nurse with two kids. Wow. And I never would have gone to nursing school if I could have kids. Right. So it was kind of <laughs> ironic. So when did you get her? Was she a infant or was she toddler? No, she was um, almost two. Okay. So she was almost two. And then when did, and you got your son 
uh, he was an infant. He was an infant. We wanted to make sure that she stayed the oldest, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Birth order. So she was almost two. And then he, how, okay, how far apart did you get them? Like she was two. And then did you get him like a month? Four, they're four. No, they're four years apart. Okay. Um, and so I had the chance to finish nursing school and then he came. Gotcha. So, yeah. And did you foster both of them or did you foster to adopt with the intent to adopt? Yeah, I think that's how. That's so, how they both were. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Okay. So before that, what was, do you think, through all the infertility, the six years, that's a long time. Um, it was three and a half years for me. And so I, I understand it was, it was, a, that's a very lonely time. It's a hard time. It's a hard time on your marriage. Um, did you see any of the effects of, um, of the infertility in your marriage draw y'all apart, draw you closer? Did you see any effects of that? I think it was interesting because the majority of the infertility happened while we were also overseas in a mm. foreign culture, in mm. a in a very, like, very rural setting. I'm wow. a city girl. And so I was, like, did not always have water, frequently didn't have electricity. And wow. so it was, it was so cold I could see my breath in my own house. Like, there was just mm. seriously hard. camping forever. <laughs> For basically. three years. Yes. And so wow. it was, it was something, and there was no avocados to top it all <laughs> off. I love guacamole so much. So anyway, um, I think that the effect on the marriage that was tricky, probably you can identify maybe was that I was like, this isn't lining up with my plan. This is not good. So that means it's bad. Mm. Something's wrong with me because mm. I can't make this baby happen. Right. And so now my husband, who's like, easy peasy, go with the flow, mm -hmm. was like, oh, yeah, I want kids. And it felt like being like, oh, yeah, sure, pizza sounds good for dinner. Right, you right, know, I'm like, right. what? Like, so I felt like we were in completely different mm. galaxies as far as where we were at with it. And mm. so it felt, it felt lonely. Plus, I really didn't have a bunch of other Americans around me to identify with me. Sure. Um, but mercifully, there was also not kids around me. Because I feel like that would have been really hard. Uh-huh. It also may have been like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want this as bad. <laughs> you know mm, I mean? Right, right, right. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I made I made kids out to be this. It was definitely an idol for a period. Mm -hmm, um, but sure. hard to identify that because it's, they're a blessing from the Lord, right? And so mm. it just felt like it couldn't possibly be an idol. But anything can be an idol that we put above God. So. Yeah. It, it didn't. It wasn't bad on our marriage. I love my husband. and He's like my best friend. Mm. But, um. It just felt, it felt lonely, hmm. but I know him and I know he trusts God. And so that's the annoying thing is right. our biggest problem is that you trust God too much. <laughs> so right. annoying. Right. You're like, wait, I really want this. I want it in my time. And he's like, we're going to trust God through this. And you're like, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Um, but good on his part. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell me, you just said he's your best friend and I heard you on another podcast and I don't even remember what podcast it was, but it was probably like two years ago that I heard you, um, speak and you were talking about how you went through a really hard time in your marriage and how, whenever you went through that, that after it, the infidelity happened, that you said, he's my best friend. How could I not forgive my best friend? And I just thought that was such a, a, a gracious and a forgiving way to say that. And to and then I knew you meant it. You could tell. Um, so take me back through that kind of process of um, of that and how you got to the, 
from when it happened and when you got to the forgiveness part of it. Okay. I think, so my husband had a brief period of infidelity and, and it was devastating and we are stinking overseas and I am dealing with infertility and I had this mm. jaw problem. Like, you know, sometimes it happens around like child rearing age, childbearing ages in women. Mm. You can have like a jaw thing, mm -hmm. which adds insult to injury. You're in the age where you're supposed to have kids. And so this is why this is happening. Uh -huh. You're not having kids. Uh-huh. this, but is, this still is happening. Why, yeah. So I couldn't open my mouth even like, um, I couldn't yawn. I couldn't open my mouth even bigger. Like I couldn't eat a banana even. Oh my word. Because when you open your jaw, there's like two um, iterations of the movement. I don't know how to even say it. Right. I could only do the first one. And so a lot. So it's like, anyway, T is it TMJ, but like really bad TMJ? Something like that. Okay, yeah. Like that. So mm -hmm. anyway, not only is there nobody there that could really help me, they just said, oh, you're just going to have to have jaw surgery, which is incredibly it's like back surgery. You don't ever want uh -uh, to uh -uh. if you can avoid it. Um, wow. So they said, well, just don't talk and just mm. just only like eat blended foods. And we were in mm. we were in a different country to have like a conference. We were in Thailand. And so there was so many good food and so many American friends. And they said, don't talk and just eat blended food. I'm like, are you <sighs> right now? And then I found out my husband had been unfaithful. So just mm. painting the picture of just disaster upon disaster. It was yes. hard. And I got to see all my friends who had had babies while we were like, mm. it was just, it was, it was, it was dark. It was hard. Uh, that's right. Really felt completely left behind in all mm. the ways, you know? Mm. But I think when my husband, he told me right away. And um, the thing that made it different, I mean, I saw my dad be unfaithful to my mom. Every boyfriend I ever had had been unfaithful to me, including my first husband, you know, and reported back about it. And so I, this was not new territory for me, but I, I was really surprised because my husband is such a godly man. Um, but it was actually kind of good because it helped me go, every, everybody is capable of doing really serious things they shouldn't do. Like it's, he's not beyond it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the humility, and again, I didn't find out. He offered this information up. Right. Um, that was different than uh, than I had seen in the past. The humility uh, with which he, I mean, he was broken. Mm -hmm. I, I would very honestly say we were equally broken <laughs> about uh, it. Wow. Which feels like, how could that, I just think we, we want to go, No, if I even forgive you, then it lessens the pain that you that you, you know, did to me like that. We hold on to our pain because we're afraid to minimize it and make it okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I could tell he was genuinely broken about it as well. And, and then going forward, he made very strict, like, parameters of things he wouldn't do to pr help that not happen again. Mm. And it's been, gosh, like 10 years and he's never broached those parameters that he set out for himself mm. um and so additionally whenever i wanted to talk about it or needed to process it sometimes i didn't want to talk to him about it but i mm. also really wanted to honor his reputation because this is not who he is right this is right a bad choice and i know myself enough to know i'm a jerk most of the day um, <laughs> and you know especially in the morning when i first wake up and when i'm hungry <laughs> and when i'm off my period and i mean like i'm right. always 
I'm the wild card in this situation and I know it. Right. And so, okay, you made a mistake. Like I make a mistake all the time. You, I have never been loved so well or so consistently in my life as I have been by this man. And so you made a bad choice, you know, welcome to the club. Right. Right. And not to minimize it. It was like the biggest heartbreak, but being able to talk through it with him and then having the permission to talk through it with, trusted friends mm-hmm. because I wanted to tell everyone what a slime bag he was <laughs> um, except in my heart I knew that wasn't true uh, you know what I mean so it was a very mm. I don't but but even like today if we get off this call and I go and I say listen I'm really struggling with whatever happened mm. um he would sit and talk to me about it you know and mm. he'll share he'll sh- he shares that with other men that took a couple of years because he feels I feel that it's healed he still feels the shame of it like uh. heavy Wow. So I think today it bothers him more than it bothers me. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Definitely. So, well, and then I love that you said that. He's my best friend. How could I not forgive him for the way that he was broken about it and the way that you're forgiving? You know, you restored, God restored that, that brokenness that y'all both had. It really is a stronger marriage than it was before. Mm. And that's... It's- that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and I think other women need to hear that. And they need to hear that there is hope if this happens. You know, there is um, there is restoration. I love and that. And I'm not saying that, I mean, I think we as women undermine in such different ways. Like, we're probably less likely to have an affair. Although I have friends who have. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, but so men are more drawn to that. Mm-hmm. But how do I undermine the trust? that my husband has maybe that I do too much thinking shopping you right. know and I like, what do we do that our makes our hearts his hearts not fully be able to trust us mm. it's not different mm. I don't think that it's different it's yeah. a it's a break in the relationship it's an insult to the integrity of the relationship right and I think we just want to make it their fault and they're terrible but I don't it's not that clear cut yeah yeah it's not it's not so when you think about um, the first marriage that you went through and this part of it and then the struggles with motherhood, what is what is the underlying theme you feel like God is doing in your life or that has, has he's done? Like when you look back and say, you know, God, you did that in my life. What do you mm-hmm. feel like is the theme that, that you've learned through all of it? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, it goes back to that night I was sitting on this park bench and I think it was like teal and my um I was telling my friend I feel unsafe uh with my husband and I think think I'm gonna leave and she um she said you know she felt unsafe too but then she said I all I know is that God Romans 8 28 says God works everything out you know to to the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose and I'm like yeah, but you've got this really fantastic husband and like you have kids and so mm. shut up. Like I didn't say that, <laughs> but in my mind I'm like that's so sweet. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> but then I have seen him do that every like so mm. many times that I cannot refute that he is going to work it out for good. Mm. I can't. Like mm. it's like it's like a thing where you I can I've tried that. I've tested that. I've tried it. I've jumped up and down on that promise to see if it holds and it holds. It just mm, does. Mm. So that's the theme. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and now you're using your story to encourage others. And then God is like, Hey, start this podcast and then you can share it and then you can share other people's stories and 
your story as well. So yeah. I love that. I love it so much. Okay, so one more question about the um, when you got your kids and you are momming them. What has the, been the most? I know there's a lot of families that are in doing foster to adopt. Um, some are just doing fostering and some are um, choosing to go through an adoption agency. What do you think is the most challenging part and the most um, rewarding part of that, of, of the whole adoption experience? Challenging wise, I struggled to attach with my daughter specifically. Um, all the people coming into the house with their clipboards and for all the therapies, it just felt really clinical and sterile. And mm. I was under a microscope and again, being a perfectionist and I didn't know what I was doing. I just mm. felt always stressed out all the time, mm. which I'm saying, I don't think that moms aren't, but sometimes you get to kind of do it in the privacy of your own home. And, and my home wasn't private in that situation, you know, mm -hmm. without, for good reason. Like I was a foster parent, I got it, but it sure. just, it weared on, it wore on me quite mm -hmm. Severely. And then also everybody wants to make sure that she's attaching to me. And in a lot of ways she did, but I was under so much stress just for some other situations going on. I was finishing nursing school and we were moving and all the things mm. I, I did not attach to her and I didn't realize how much I didn't attach to her initially. Mm. She also is a family member. So she's a, we adopted a family member. And gotcha. so the dynamics of that are, remarkably tricky when it's family. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Even so much so that I don't think I would probably recommend that people do that. Okay. Yeah. Although every situation is different. Sure. If a child needs to be taken from a home, there's some really interesting dynamics there. And when you are family members of them, then you are pulled in and not in a way that's very easy to, uh, you know, extrapolate what's best for the kid. It was just mm. really really hard and so um I was going through the loss of having appropriate boundaries caused me to lose that side of my family and so mm. that there's a lot going on there and so I was not fully available emotionally to attach with my daughter because sure. of all the yeah. things and so that's been the hardest thing is the attachment piece and mm. so mm -hmm. in this past year or so we've really doubled down on that and which you know is why we no longer homeschool so that we can have some space so that I can just be the mom. I think that's great. I think that's so wise of you to decide to do that, even though you're really good and loved homeschooling. I don't know yeah. if love is the right love word. Love is not the right word. Theoretically, <laughs> on paper, yeah, it I looks love good. Homeschooling. Yeah, and yeah. I love school, and so I mm -hmm. assumed my my little people would love school, and they, at least my my daughter didn't, and mm -hmm. so she didn't love anything about her life when I was her teacher and her mom. So yeah, um, it's been that, really good. That's what motherhood is about too, you know, in life, just like, well, I don't know that didn't work. Okay. Let's go this way. You know, I'm doing that with a lot of stuff. So, um, okay. So what's the best part about it all about raising your kids? They have just been such a means of grace to help God communicate to me how much he loves me, how, how much he forgives me. Like I can, mm. you, you, you feel all the feelings about your kids, all the extremes of all the feelings. Yeah. Wow. Feelings. And so I realized like he, that's the way that he feels about me. Also, they're teaching me so many things. They're just like little mirrors that show you yes. what a jerk you are sometimes, uh. you know, cause you say, they say the same exact thing in the same exact tone. And you're like, 
Hold it. I didn't like that when it came out of your face. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is, yes. Motherhood is sanctifying. That's it what really Grace, uh, Grace Lace says. Ruth, oh, not Grace her. Lace. I do too. Yeah. You need to have her on. Has she been on? She hasn't, but I, wa- I do want her to be oh, on. Every time I think of having her on, she's like in the middle of some big things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She does a lot of big things. But yeah, I mean, just motherhood is sanctifying for sure. Shows me my sin for sure. Okay, so tell me, last four fast questions. Um, Eat, read, pray, love. What are you praying for? I am praying for more connection with my kids. I'm praying for that I would stop filling my schedule up with things that are good but not great for my Mm -hmm. family. Mm, That's good. What are you reading? I am reading, let's see, I'm reading a lot of business books right now. Oh, I need to know. I just read Story Brand by Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. Story Brand? Building Your Story Brand. It's amazing. You need to read it. Uh. So, and I also am reading um, The Bait of Satan. I'm going to be speaking a lot next year on being unoffendable. And so this mm. book talks about how that's what Satan uses to get us mm. to break community is offense. That's true. And yeah. women, us as women, we can do that easy and fast. We're the worst. We're the worst. Yeah. We're the worst. <laughs> okay. What are you eating? What is your big snack? Okay. So charcuterie. What? So it, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it's basically you put everything on a giant, like a board. You can even use your cutting board, Okay. but it's like pieces of things. So like pieces of salami, pieces of cheese, different grapes, scones, oh. almonds, like olives. And then you just put things and, and then you can just sit around and eat. Oh. To, and so my kids are like pumped about eating on a board yes. and uh, I put <laughs> You should look on Instagram. I just put a picture of one I did. Okay. And it really looks like I really am amazing at it. But it, you, you just put stuff on a board. Crackers okay. and... Oh, cheese maybe? Yeah, cheese and crackers. And so you want protein, some okay. cheese, crackers. We Vegetables. like almonds and we like olives. So we put those. And you can put those in like little cups. Okay. Scones. I mean... And then everybody, it's like such a community fun way to eat dinner. Yes. The kids are like pumped about it. And we really like it too. Yeah. Well, and when you get, cooking. Well, and they're it's good. good for it's good for summer. I was going to say, because they're going to be here all yeah. the and time. They said, I know. They said, <laughs> it said, this is the best meal you've ever cooked. I'm like, well, well, didn't even cook it. It took me five minutes. <laughs> I love so it. Let's, so let's always do it. Yay. I love it. Okay. What are you loving? Your table. My turquoise table? Mm-hmm. I do. We yeah. spend so much time out there. I, I love, love my turquoise table. I love your community and your neighborhood. And you always have the best community around you. I love that about you. Really you really try. That's something that we really try to prioritize. It's so good. I'm sorry, yeah. I interrupted. What are, you, what are you loving? Have you heard of the native deodorant? Yes, but I've never tried it. I need it big time. I really like it. Um, this is the fig and honey. Okay. Um, it's not my favorite. My favorite's the coconut and vanilla, which is also the most popular. Okay. When you sweat, it smells like frosting. <gasps> it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So and you are. Natural. 
it's all natural and you are going to sweat, but you just won't smell bad. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, honestly, very honestly, the other stuff works better, but it also has stuff in it that I don't want to use. And in my family, I mean, breast cancer runs in my family and you tend to be more likely to get breast cancer if you haven't breastfed which I haven't because I've never been pregnant. Oh. And so I just know that I'm at a higher risk for it. Sure. And so I'd rather just mm-hmm. kind of shower a lot mm-hmm. and use this stuff. Right. But this is the best one I've found. Okay. That is now. And it comes, it's a subscription thing. So it comes oh. um, to your house. It's like $10. And I don't know how they know when I need a new one, but it always comes at the right day. I'm yes. like, this is This how is great. Know? Do we have a mom struggling well code for that? You know what? Is I this an ad? No, this is not an ad. <laughs> I reached out to them and said, sponsor my show. I will sell this all day long. You will. And they, they didn't write back to me. So well, they I'm lose. a little bit mad. Um, seriously, you I'm MSW, it. it will not work. <laughs> 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 MSW. I'm trying the code and it won't work. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try it because, listen, I've been doing no deodorant. Okay. And it was fine in the winter because you don't really sweat. But now I'm like, yeah, so it's not good. Um, but I'm not going to use the aluminum. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I don't like the aluminum. I do it if I'm, like, at a speaking engagement. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know know you're going to sweat and be around people. But, yeah. So, I'm going to look up native deodorant. I love it. Coconut and lime. Is that what you said? Coconut and vanilla. Oh, vanilla. Okay. Good. Yay. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So welcome. You're quite good at this. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you so much. This was so so fun. All right. Talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Bye. I enjoyed chatting with Emily so very much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I have been wanting to talk with her for a while now, and so I'm glad we made the time to do that. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're all friends of a feather. Let's stick together. See you next time.